show i hope you had a great christmas uh filled with love and laughter and good things but we are back at it as always with uh obviously somebody that i uh admire and i i am honored to always have on who always comes with lots of information that you need to know i am very happy to welcome back my friend matt how are you doing sir i'm doing okay mel how are you doing I'm doing good. I'm happy to see you again. We're, uh, we took a little respite, but never stopping. And I also wanted to mention, Matt has a new book out. I'm about to read it, Science Unshackled. And I will be reading it. And then Matt and I will be having a show on it next week. Uh, this week, we wanted to talk a little geopolitics. There's a lot going on in the world that people are not being told about that you should know and be informed, uh, as only Matt Arett can really dig into it. So he is here. And uh, thank you, sir. And uh, I look forward to discussing your new book. And you're just a prolific writer and educator. So I appreciate that. But where are we headed today? Oh, thank you, Mel, for those those really generous words. And I, uh, yeah, I, I think that today what we'll do... Um is discuss a little bit. I, I wanted to just unpack a few geopolitical updates, um, add a little bit of context to some things that people might have been uh, listening to or watching on the news or their news feeds and not really understanding what is really going on outside of the framing of what we're being shown um, visually or audibly, okay. um, specifically on the issue of the Asia Pacific. Um, that, since that is heating up and there was re recent remarks uh, between Xi Jinping who said something um, to his American counterparts. I think he was technically speaking to Biden, but I think he understands that he's speaking to Biden's handlers. Right. Um, that any uh, attempt at inflaming independence and separation in Taiwan will mean war. He was very clear on that. And he also said that uh, the intention from mainland China is to reunify with Taiwan before the next elections, possibly. Wow. Now, usually you don't see world leaders pointing out timelines and specific dates. So it's a bit important. It's very important that the specifics of the date were, were made vocal and literal. Usually they keep things a little bit more, you know, diplomatic, diplomatic speech, a little bit more general. So the next election is going to be uh, in early 2024. Um, Tsai Ing-wen, who is the, uh, the current uh, president of Taiwan, is largely a, was installed through a process that we saw in 2014 in uh, October, but it had been brewing before that called the Sunflower Movement. Now, many people don't really understand how what's going on in the Pacific, especially around Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, Philippines are directly related to the same, the same thing that's been done in Eastern Europe to Georgia in 2003, Ukraine 2000 in 2014 um to currently serbia is facing a color revolution there was a, an attempted uh, storming of uh, the biggest city in in serbia prague i believe uh which uh got very violent but there was certain forenotice that this violence was going to uprise just in the wake of of their elections that uh, that allowed them to at least intervene on it before it really blew up and overthrew the government but that's still underway there's there's all sorts of things that have that people are a little bit better at understanding on the eastern european front that ties into the expansion of nato right that that's tied to 
the fact that NATO has gone from 15 countries in 1993 to now it's 30 with uh, Finland having joined, Sweden wants to join, and there's obviously still been discussion about Ukraine and Georgia becoming members. Moldova's going through its own turmoil, um, and none of this is, you know, when you look at it, none of this is authentic indigenous from within these countries. These yeah. are things that are tied to George Soros's open society institutes. There's, they're tied to the CIA, the National Endowment for Democracy under Carl Gershman and others who are around that nexus who have openly said that what the NED does today openly is what the CIA has been doing for decades unofficially. That's It is a CIA front group organizing uh, overthrows and regime change under the guise of mass protest freedom movements. So this is the same thing that's been done in Taiwan. And I mentioned the Sunflower Revolution. So I figured I would just add a little bit of right. coloring, a little bit of history. Right. And, yeah, and, and I want to say, you know, Matt, mm -hmm. that, that people have to really start to, this is why this is very important, because I do see the rhetoric. Uh, nobody in America, as far as I know or can see, is is connecting uh this and i mean nobody on the you know mass media front not even on the alternative media front really that all of these things that are happening including what is happening with the houthis in yemen and what is happening in you know mm. in in ukraine and what is happening in taiwan and then serbia and everywhere is connected and and it's really important that people understand this this machine because Sadly enough, Matt, um, the American taxpayers are funding a lot of this. And when you look at the budget that they just put out for 2024 military, and then you look at how much of that money is going to actually defend America, it's a, a big zero. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. uh, the American people have to start taking it personally, what our military industrial complex is doing around the world, what our intel agencies are doing around the world, because it has nothing to do with the people of the United States or the betterment of this nation. And so it's very important. I'm really glad that you're going to explain this because we're about to hear a lot of rhetoric about Taiwan, exactly the same rhetoric we heard about Ukraine, and neither are true. So uh, I really appreciate yeah. you doing this. The American people better start realizing they are paying for this, and and it is only we, the people, putting our foot down, united, and saying no more that will stop this, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what that looks like, but if we don't know that we're causing this, that it's us, that it's internal. I just saw Colonel McGregor put out actually a tweet this morning basically saying Russia, China, and Iran aren't our biggest problems. Our biggest problem is within, and, and I believe that as well. So go ahead and take it away, but I want everyone to know uh, pay attention to the Taiwan uh, information that's going to be coming out and ask yourself, what do you really know? You're going to hear that it's a small place the size of Maryland and the, and this big bad, you know, China's coming in to take it over. Uh, but ask yourself, you know, what do you really know? And so Matt's going to yeah. fill in some of that. So thank you so much, because it's important that people, especially after realizing the truth way later than they should have about Ukraine and I believe Israel as well, you got to look at who benefits. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Qui bono, qui bono. Exactly. No, and and it, it's so important to realize that it is. It was never about Ukraine, right? And here, let me actually just start with by showing a couple of images. That that'll just make this, things uh, speed up a little bit and, and just here. So, um, I, I I selected a, a little image for uh, <laughs> for this little PowerPoint just to get across right. that the same formula that worked right. so well as an almost hypnotic spell throughout the entirety of the Cold War to keep America, Americans, 
under the control of the dictatorship that was the FBI and the Five Eyes that ran America over, I mean, J. Edgar Hoover, um, oversaw, he was there over the course of eight presidencies. J. Edgar Hoover, 33rd degree, Scottish Rite, Freemason, cross-dressing, like psychopath, overseeing the murder. Giant blackmailer. Blackmailer. Yeah, this guy was in bed with the highest levels of the mafia, every Mm -hmm. branch of the mafia. He was overseeing with Alan Dulles at different times, who he admittedly didn't like, but they worked together on bringing in MKUltra and covering up the murder of Fred Hampton, of of Malcolm X, of John F. Kennedy. He was completely in bed on all of these things. And this was the dictatorship in America that was embedded with the Five Eyes, run, created by British intelligence, in 1946, right with the integration of the uh, the, the what became the the GCHQ, uh, MI6 with the CIA and NSA that that merged together and then that binded to all of the other intelligence agencies within the other Anglo-Saxon countries of Canada, New Zealand, Australia, soon South Africa, that all created this like multi-headed beast, right? Um, that carried out assassinations, overthrows, uh, the the monitoring of their own people, and that integrated with NATO. NATO that was created in 1949, actually 47 was when the the, the program was put online by uh, a, a, a nest of Rhodes scholars, right? Which we've we've talked about a lot, like Escott oh, Reed, yeah. um, who then worked with unrepentant, unreconstructed Nazis, eight of which ran the Eastern and Central European Command of NATO. One exactly. of which, I mean. Uh, yeah, yep. this is the whole what's called NATO secret armies. People who don't know about that can just Google NATO secret armies Gladio. Just Google that. You'll 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 they'll blow your mind. This is what ran the Cold War. While we were not fighting this thing, or those who were were getting killed, and those everyone else was busy chewing on FBI, uh, CIA propaganda through Project Mockingbird, right? Uh, media to convince us that our biggest threat was. China and Russia. Now, at the time, China, which this is a reference to both, um, was a third world country with an average life expectancy in 1961 of something like 43 years of age. They had gone through 130 years of what's called humility. It's called the century of humiliation, but in many ways, it was it was a little bit more than that. Right. Um, opium wars. Uh, they their whole society was was turned into a feudal basket case run by foreign interests utilizing fifth columnists you know green dragon gangs or green gangs um other things that were tied to british freemasonic outfits tied to hsbc that were created during the 1860s 1870s even before that like they did to india like they'd done to every country is they organized freemasonic groups that's how the muslim brotherhood was created was the british going in Back in the 1870s, over the course of the 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 control of Egypt that 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 Britain wanted to control, that's how they were able to manage um, the the artificial management of new synthetic cults through Freemasonic outfits that were then used to radicalize and to create zombie-like groupings that would then manage local spheres of influence. In the case of the Middle East. We know what the role of the Muslim Brotherhood has generally been, but also then to be used um, as a sufficient um, source of fear from the West who were then told that's what Islam is. It's Muslim Brotherhood affiliated uh, groups, spinoff groups, Al-Qaeda, other things that are uh, what are known as Islamist groups. But they're actually, if you look at it, they spend more of their time killing Muslims than they do killing Jews or Christians. If you look at the history of those groups like Al-Qaeda, 
or ISIS or anything else, they mostly yeah. spend the vast majority of their time killing non, um, non-Islamist Muslims. So all that to say, this is what the British created in in um, in China, as far as a self-managing uh, system of corruption. That is what we were told is is the enemy of America. When China was again, like I, I got to restate restate this, they had a life expectancy of something like forty two years of age when, and we were told that they're they're the ones who are our major enemy in the nineteen fifties and sixties. So the reality is there was this other thing that we weren't paying attention to that that Hoover uh, J Edgar Hoover represented. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, a recent show you and I did about a month ago, I just went through a brief thing on open versus closed systems. It's so important for people to think about this, right? Um because there's a clash of systems. We are going to get a new system. The, the old system that was created with Henry, with the murder of, of Bobby Kennedy right. and Henry Kissinger's Trilateral Commission takeover of America in the early 70s yep. that created the, the consumer society, deregulated the banking system, allowed for corporate and banking mergers and acquisitions. That was always designed to be a time bomb that would blow as a bubble. That's what we're seeing now. So it was never designed to be the perpetual globalization forever model. It was designed to be a bubble that would blow ushering in chaos out of which some alchemical reconstruction could be introduced to create a new order. Right. So the thing now has been, who, what will be the nature of the new system? Will it be one that's founded upon a priesthood committed to a death cult of depopulation and scarcity adaption? Or will it be something that's, that's based upon natural law, which mandates that we create abundance, that we do things that encourage new creative discoveries to overcome limits to growth? So quickly, for those who may not be aware and what I just described, that second one, slightly more more preferable. Nothing is perfect in the physical world, but much more preferable than the first one uh, is open systems. And the best of American history from the, the founding of American, the American nation back in the 18, uh, 1770s. Or going back to the golden renaissance or, you know, there, there's been this fight to establish systems of open, of open cooperation, not, and I don't mean open societies right this is not what i'm talking about people have to Different. understand i think that i think he used that on purpose though and popper before him because it's very it's just like everything that they put out there it's upside down of what they're saying so yeah, when you yeah. talk about this is really important that people understand this because open society of george soros and before him who he got it from does not mean what you're saying right now at all no, and in fact, when you read George Soros's description of what his open societies mean, it actually the meaning of what he is saying is closed societies, societies that have uh, a- absolute. His idea is, um, yeah, it's very, it's pretty much because he believes he actually created a whole university, the the, the Soros. Uh, yeah, I think it's called the New Economy Institute University. Uh, there's a secondary name for it though, and and yeah, basically he's. Part of the mandate of the creation of this university with the Soros scholarships is to establish new economic theories for the Great Reset. Now, he already knows what the, what they're going to look like, right. him and his handlers. He but wrote a basically... whole document about it in 1991. I mean, it's it's out there. You can find it. I think it's even on the Open Society website. And also, yeah, I want to remind the Americans watching this that uh, Anthony Blinken's parents uh, are the donors of a library to George Soros's EU radical uh color revolutionary yeah. university i call it but uh that is that is yeah. you know that people have to understand they've been pumping out these people and then you know then they go do their thing at the kennedy school or at oxford or something or they go the road scholars or whatever and then they're popped into all around the world and they're, they're they have the same goal and it's people don't realize that it's 
it's a network. Yeah, the the Donald and Vera Blinken Foundation. Yeah, the, in Budapest. That's right. And, and yeah, that's exactly it. So yeah, you're right. This and this is the way it works. It's it's a it's a zombie like hive, yeah. and it it, it self replicates like a, metastasi a metastasizing cancer. Right. So what what do I mean when I say open systems? What I'm talking about is a non zero sum game. Not a zero sum, but a non zero sum game, meaning that the 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 idea of the system that you're looking at is more than the sum of its parts. Just like you and me, like you, we could, if you were a materialist looking at Mel and Matt talking, you would say, oh, well, Mel, Mel is the sum total of all of the molecules making up her body, right? And I am the sum total of all of my atoms and molecules making up me. And that's all we are. We are the, 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 the chemical excretions of our brain with some synaptic activity, maybe, uh, that's it. But the reality is we are we have those things though those are very important but if you and you know you cut off the the hand i'm still mad right yeah, right so there's there's something about my identity is matt your identity is mel which which gives our personality our 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 our, our um when you were like four or five years old looking in the mirror or feeling certain things when you would see somebody lying and there was a certain feeling when you know that somebody is lying and doing something unjust you had a feeling right now that that feeling associated with Mel at five years old has a similar print quality as the feelings, maybe in a much more mature way now, obviously with all your knowledge, but all of your body has changed. Every single cell that made up your bones, your your right. organs, everything has has turned over probably a couple of times. Same same for me. Yeah. And yet we we have the same identity. So that that more than the sum of the parts applies yes. to anything anything living anything non-living has has you could choose to see it as its parts or as more than the sum of its parts as something principled right. so this open system idea is very important there um relative limits to growth so when when dealing with living or especially cognitive systems right thinking or simply living systems and augustine made a point you know like saint augustine uh established this in his um Free choice of the will, platonic dialogue, uh, going at, well, what, what are, what's the most elementary attributes of reality we can know? And he's like, well, look, reality is made up of, of things that, that are, things that live, and things that think. And there's a hierarchy that you can discover by, uh, by just acknowledging that all existence can be categorized in one of these three categories. And nothing is really outside of that as far as what is ponderable. And, you know, like, if you think about a, a rock on the side of the, 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 the river – that rock is not alive. It has, but it has compounds. It has, you know, carbon. It has a variety of, of atoms within it, which are also in my plant and in my cat. The difference is that the behavior of the atoms, right, and, and the molecules within the rock are um, not, they're, they're not animated by this, those same counterparts within my cat or my plant or my body. Right. So there's a, a greater cycling over. There's a throughput that living organisms take on from like their relationship to the ambient world around them as far as absorbing um, oxygen, excreting carbon dioxide, or if you're a plant, the opposite. Same thing for life photosynthesizing, right, that activates certain uh, chlorophyll molecules so that you have this whole interdynamic uh, play uh, with living with living processes that is much more fluctuating much more changing but also much more ordered in the sense that you see all of a sudden the appearance of the golden section so in living things all of a sudden the 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 relationship of, of the fibonacci sequence um the relationship of the golden section appears all over the place but you don't see it so much in not in the non-living domain and the third is the 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 thinking domain 
so like you know my my cup doesn't grow off of a tree though it is made by clay and and enamel and things so this is the some to the thinking domain is pretty much everything around us right right um and the, the hierarchy is that augustine gets at is that well that which uh which simply exists doesn't necessarily live or think but that which lives necessarily also exists materially, but it doesn't necessarily think. But that which thinks both necessarily exists and also lives, but it also thinks. So you could establish like uh, that there is this, it doesn't mean that the lower order of like my cat is bad because I am better than my cat as a human, but it means that everything has its place and is good for what it is within its place, within its ordering of things. Now, the oligarchy will always try to... Uh, iron out destroy those those qualitative differences between the non-living the living and the and the the human cognitive domain so that they reduce us to the status of either animals or a bag of molecules saying you know like this is the modern the modern right. uh, quantum mechanics garbage which we're going to expand upon in our, our next chat right um tries to say oh we're all we're all just made of of non-living randomized atoms that are chaotically moving so there's nothing really sacred about life right right because sacred is like an abstract idea yeah. uh, and that's and, why they need so, to upgrade us into uh that's why humans because we're just yeah. a bag of bones and uh and molecules and stuff that you really are just manipulate easily manipulated to be better if they can enhance us yes exactly yeah and it doesn't matter if you kill grandma because she's too old because right. uh, exactly. she's never sacred anyway she just costs too much to keep her alive and so exactly. we're going to turn her into soil and green or something to yeah so all Which i have to say really then, happening in canada yeah, probably elsewhere. yeah yeah that, that's a whole thing yeah but it's their it's their uh, view of humans that is it's it's very it doesn't include essence or god or, or experience no. or knowledge or wisdom no. or all the amazing things that you and i believe matter the most it doesn't uh, to people that believe in this concept that you know they are in control um they don't they don't look at individuals as individuals no they don't exactly it doesn't uh, matter to them right? no it's just bees beehives yeah. so um if when it comes down to organizing human societies, the focus then is always to overcome those limits to growth because we're always able to leap outside of the known limits of every system and make new discoveries. We have to have the faith in hu in human discovery making powers, and thus that and the faith to allow for education systems that awaken those that that spirit of inquiry and uh, creative power, which oligarchical oligarchical systems don't have any faith in human discovery right they right, they only exactly. have a commitment to the their own system of control so they will always encourage education systems well they will always discourage education systems but if they can't stop them they'll they'll only allow those types which allow for the creation of worker bees exactly that cannot actually think creatively in sovereign way they can only memorize things that they're told to memorize to get marks and to become functional cogs in a machine right. but not think creatively for themselves so that's that's what the difference is between a healthy education system that produces da Vinci's versus what we currently were born into that we have to sort of break away from. Yes. Um, the other thing is multipolar. So in terms of organizing society, you're thinking about multiple instead of one pole, you're thinking about multiple nation states having an influence in what becomes policy internationally, yep. uh, economic, cultural, military, everything. It has to be based upon dialogue, reason, not just like um, a nest 
of inner elect initiated priests that then manage what the global global system is going to be from above like gods of olympus you mean hunger Not games that. you mean hunger games like hunger... what's so exactly. scary matt and i want you to i want you to expand on this this is really important because um i'm trying i've been trying you know you and i work together a lot i've been trying to really explain to people when we are talking about the concept of global governance and what mm. they have on their own websites and what they're talking about with Agenda 2030 and 17 Sustainable Development Goals, I constantly say to people, who's running this? If they're, if everyone wants to say that there's no they and, and that there's no closed system, you know, like you're talking about, the unipolar world that, that they, they're trying mm -hmm. so hard. And you brought up a long time ago, the PNAC document and all of that, and all the moves since then and all the Kissinger and all these moves that have happened we are at a situation a turning point in humanity where you know i believe that the best way and i think you do too i don't know you can answer after this to understand this is that when you look on any of their websites all the people that i talk about the people that i consider to be they you know there is no they oh there's a they and they don't hide it but um what what you look what i tell people to look up is on every one of their websites not just agenda 20 but 2030, but global governance, the first line in their th th explanation on global governance is that nation states no longer work. It, it's yeah. just, and so it's better to, and I keep saying to people, you know, what, what you're looking at is either we're going to remain American citizens, Canadian citizens, you know, uh, you know, citizens of Brazil, citizens, or we're going to all be global citizens and the chaos that that creates. So I just wanted people to understand when, when we're talking about multipolar, we're talking about nation states that put their country and, you know, everything on a high ground and then can cooperate with other nation states to make the world work. And that is not mm -hmm. where what these powers that be that are, are running this, this, you know, takedown of humanity, they don't want that. Correct. They no. want they want no nation states is is what yes. I read. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that's the that's been the constant, right? Going back for for hundreds of years, there's been a, an obsession to put the the because the the nation state. I don't want to go too much on it, but I'll say it. So the nation state is a relatively new, recent innovation in the grand scheme of things. They weren't around for most of human civilization's experience. It was mostly empires and feudalism. Right. Um. And the idea of self-organizing around uh, sovereign nation states was a concept that goes back to ancient times, but it didn't really manifest until really, um, I think the earliest that we see a, a meaningful expression of that was probably the, the golden renaissance period where the idea that it, that a, a leader, a king, or a nation is only legitimate to the degree that the, the welfare of the people are is improved um that wasn't present so much and then that became really what louis the 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 11th the king of france in the 15th century uh followed up you know king tudor king henry the seventh not not the eighth but the seventh followed followed his lead had really wonderful advisors and created these massive revolutions in political economy that directed their their treasuries towards building infrastructure schools uplift by beautiful architecture and arts and science that yep. really brought people into a status of um dignity right yep. participatory uh because i mean if you if you if you are a feudal system you want your people to have the identities of cows right um you want to different cut the, the the difference between a human and a cow right because humans yep. are just another species of cow right that should be happy with cow what with what cows like eating cud right so 
And they want um, no national pride, no shared vision for your nation, no, no. shared uh, need to invest in your country. That's what's happening to America. People don't these kids that they're raising to hate America. They don't want to fight for this country. They're not they're, they're being told that they, there's nothing to be proud of here. And I mean, yeah. this is happening in all nations, but it's most I think it's most easily seen at what's happening in America uh, with our youth all the way through probably 30 years old with the, what's happened is, um, you know, you have to remember and, and you know this, but I want the audience to realize that the same people that are pushing this global governance, they also believe that national pride. Uh, you know, that they call populism or wanting to have the multipolar world uh, is is a bad thing. They they think that and they've been saying this, like you said, Matt, for, you know, since the beginning of this project towards the Great Reset. But, um, you know, you're an isolationist if you want our borders, language and culture to be respected. Yeah. You know, so I, I want people to understand because mm. there's a lot of I see a lot of these these criminal minds on the on the, you know, the the upside down propaganda mm -hmm. machine percolating towards that a multipolar world is dangerous. I just want people let, to know let me just add that's out one there. Thing on, Go ahead. Let me just add one thing on that because there, there's a, there's, it's like that if you, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Uh, and try to subvert them from within. That, that's been the technique of empire forever. So there, there is not, there are competing ideas of what the word multipolar means. And there are some evil, evil definitions, some evil versions of the multipolar order, which you'll right. hear sometimes Klaus Schwab right. uh, speaking about like multipolarity or Blinken will say something like that. Right. But again, like George Soros talked about open societies and sounds nice. But then if you look at how he's thinking about it and how is it very different from what I'm going through here with open systems, right. it's the same sort of thing because their idea of multipolarity, which they would they would prefer that it just be unipolar. But if you, it's right. like if you can't stop what already is coming online, well, then the best thing you could say is, oh, yeah, we like that, too. But let's 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 actually be the ones to define what that means. Now, what their exactly. definition right. is they want uh, regional power structures like the European Union all over the world with local fascist controllers imposing the will of a banking elite from above managing the local jurisdictions of the new world order under a multipolar system of right. framework right yep um very different from the type of approach that we're seeing from uh the eurasian leadership currently that are trying to utilize the powers of national banking the powers of utilizing national protections to protect their industry to create abundance um to avoid things like um forever wars by introducing policies of infrastructure building it's a different the the klaus schwabian idea doesn't do that um so it's always be be careful to to never i'm, I'm i know you know this but i'm talking to the thousands no, of people i know i know but these enough. words are going to uh, be i hope people are understanding these words are going to be thrown around a lot this year yeah and yeah. and it's important to really understand it and to this is why you know why uh, your shows with you matter not just to understand it but to be able to articulate it to others like you know that's not yeah. really what that means because these people they are they you and i have both talked about it many times a lot of them happen to be brilliant they're dying off because they they sent their kids to the poison ivy league to get get yeah. you know programmed uh so they're not very smart but the, but the ones that still were trained by kissinger and schwab and them they 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 talk in language that is basically to me inverted so I just mm -hmm. want people to understand language mm -hmm. matters and make sure uh, you understand the words that are being used as what they mean and not what they're telling you they mean.
I just think it's important mm -hmm. people, because when I talk about, you know, when people look at the 17 sustainable development goals on the paper, they think, well, that sounds great. And then I have to yeah. go into each one and say, well, what does this entail? And who's running yeah. this? And who's controlling yeah. it? And who's going to guarantee yeah. that for everyone on the planet if there's not a yeah. centralized unipolar governance? But go ahead. Yes. I just want I want people exactly. to understand why why these terms and these words matter because your shows are highly educational as much as entertaining. And I want people to take it seriously that they after this show, go back and watch it, but look up some of this stuff so that you can articulate it to others. That's all I wanted mm -hmm. to just interject. And my shows with Matt are supposed to be uh, the, the jumping off point for you to be able to go articulate what you're learning to other people. That's all. Amen. Yeah, no, that, I think so too. Like that's that's the most important reason why learning and communicating exists, right? We don't learn just for our own consumption's sake. Right. We're learning because we want to increase our power of communication because we have a power when we... Like that was that was for me one of the earliest aha moments was that because I had friends who were conspiracy theorists that I didn't respect. Yeah. Um, uh, because yeah. Be, this is before I I kind of like was shaken out of my my normieism yeah. many years ago and and partly partly is because they didn't ha they weren't speaking to me from the standpoint of knowledge they had they had read things that persuaded them but it was colored with all sorts of shape shifting aliens lizard people things like that and so. I was like, look, I'm ready to go with the journey, go with you on the journey to right. you're you're saying 9-11 was an inside job, bankers, conspiracies, Freemasons, but you have to take me through you have to treat my mind like it's reasonable. Don't give me things you don't understand. And when too much of that hit me, I was like, no, my my, my mind shut off. And for years I wasted time because I was like, no, unfortunately, my friends are crazy. And yeah. so it was only when I finally uh, happened across a competent discourse on 9-11 properly that that every step of the way through, I think it was Mike Rupert, who, who was died a, some years ago, was an investigative reporter. Right. He did a great presentation. And he every step of the way, he, he took me through exactly what the paradox was, where the narrative breaks down, what was the only explanation for it. He brought in the facts, wheeled them very well. You could see that he really internalized them. And I was like, okay, if this is this something I can discover through reason, it means I can learn how to communicate it. Exactly. It means that I have a power to change it. Yeah. Um. And so that was like for my forever shift. Yeah. And so I had the same. Have, I had the yeah. same too. Especially for me, though, more with the, in the journey of my show. It's two years ago. I decided that if it didn't, if it didn't educate. Uh, inspire, give solutions or context that people could go out and use to change the, their sphere of influence that they actually have, which everyone has one, no matter how large or small, then it wasn't mm -hmm. really worth doing a show on it. Mm -hmm. And and I really, I did what you did. I just started saying, well, prove it to me. And if you can prove it to me and you can prove it to my audience, then it's worthwhile. If you can't, there's other show, there's other people that can do that. And I think, you know, yeah. that that's really important. But I want people that are listening to me and Matt, because we do this for our lives, uh, that don't do this for their lives to understand that the, the calling right now is as important for every individual out there to be their own. I keep calling it the, your own Paul Revere and your sphere of influence. But, you know, this is how we do it. And that's why we do these in-depth educational shows with Matt. We do fun shows, too, and we're going to do one on his book. But this is really for you to, like, look at this and be like, because honestly, I'm doing a youth summit uh, coming up, and I'm going to talk about globalism, but I have to make it relatable to high school students. So Ooh. I want 
Yeah. So I, I'll probably tap you for that a little bit. But so yeah. she was saying to me, well, how are you going to explain this? Because they've all grown up in this world where they're told that the UN version of globalism is like kumbaya and we're all going to get along and it's all going to work well. And, you know, you have to deconstruct it at their level. So I've been kind of looking at what's out there and it's it's somewhat <laughs> disturbing, but um, it does show how much progress can be made, too, in in going to some of these topics on a very basic level and then sharing them with other people uh, that have no idea. It's everyone can do that. So um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I yeah, wanted no, to just a... stress how important, like the slide you have on screen right now is very important to understand because these words are thrown around by good guys and bad guys regularly and yeah. will be more in the next upcoming year. Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, MELK Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me, and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile, and we hope you do too. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. No, that that's and that, yeah. I mean, you could build a whole curriculum, a whole university curriculum out of just this slide. You know, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I just well, you try. Wrote, to, I, I want three to books people... on it. I mean, you guys have Seven, both written, both eight, you and eight, and eight books, actually. Uh, right. But, but I mean, you wrote yeah. books that really dive into this. And it's really yeah, important. Yeah, That's yeah. why I say someday yeah. I'm going to go to Matt and Cynthia's university full time. But um, yeah, so we can go back to it. But I wanted Always everyone to, to know that, you know, what we're talking about, this is important for you to really understand, not just see it and say, think you understand. But because the mm. conversation is going to turn very much about which which of these systems you believe personally you want to support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How just a quick question? How how much how much time do we have? Because I I'm thinking maybe I, I sh shouldn't keep going through too many more of the. I've got a few slides I could speed through them, or uh, how, when do you want to end? You should just keep going on the trajectory. You got about okay. another hour. Oh, that's why I don't need that much time. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, so we got time. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I and what you're doing with the the high school students that's fascinating the the youth thing that you got you got to brief me later on about that that's interesting um, i was gone I anyway some... so okay <laughs> cool <laughs> um Go all right so now inversely oligarchical systems are always wired to the very opposite of the things that i just said so it's they they always presume zero sum they always presume that the whole is is the sum of the parts they always presume that there is thus absolute limits to growth that you can never transgress beyond right that the uh, that that the law of diminishing returns is an absolute function of the universe and thus an, an a corollary of the law of diminishing returns is right. the idea of entropy the second law of thermodynamics 
that the entire universe is a closed system with external boundary conditions outside of which there is infinite nothingness before and after which there is infinite nothingness, right? That's the, that's the model of oligarchical universes or the oligarchical cosmology. And thus everything that exists is um, absolutely limited. And the more people there are, that means that there's each person requires more energy from the universe to exist that they consume, thus causing or speeding up the entropy, the winding down of the system, the the increased uh, amount of chaos, right. um, the reduction of singularities of things interesting happening in time as we move towards a heat death, which is the natural outcome of an oligarchical cosmology, an anti-oligarchical anti-oligarchical cosmology there's a lot of syllables here uh presumes always constant perfectibility as the as the universal it's not an absolute limit but constant improvement increase of new powers that the universe and god god is not a passive or a dead god or a tyrannical god but a participant an active god a living god a god that is present and is participating cope with his creation in the process of the moral and physical perfectibility of the of all creation per se so it's a very different concept of the universe right even though the same words of universe are being used by an oligarch and an anti-oligarchist oligarchist one sees it as a very cold dying kind of evil place like that this is with the gnostics the early gnostic uh, christians had this idea that it that the that the universe was created evil because the demiurge which which they say is the god of the bible was the cre was was the abomination of the fallen Sophia who who procreated with herself and uh, and created this abomination sociopathic creature uh, Jal Yabao and you know the the, and the the Gnostics all have this whole cosmology about how Jal Yabao what I cannot pronounce his name okay. uh, created these he was an a, a demiurge greater archon that created these sub archons that then created the material universe in the heavens. And it's all evil because they were animated ultimately by ignorance and evil. And, and he thought he was the one God. And that's the God that we read about in the Bible. But the true God is, aha. And then you have to read, you know, the stories that you see in, uh, in the, in the Nag Hammadi's uh, scriptures. But right. all that to say, they believe that the universe is evil. And, uh, and we are made in the image of an evil universe. And they have a whole weird set of rites of initiation to process their elites into that. That's what, like, people want to look at what they what uh how this works look at what lady gaga was put through um and and look at her newest uh gnostic gospel revival uh mm -hmm. music video Ju judas right uh yeah. judas is my demon that i love that's that's basically what they're reviving and and maria abramovich look yep. at, as her guru that's what that's what her one of her jobs as a modern sort of scythian priest um is or priestess yeah, is to participate yeah yeah <laughs> So this is this is um, the evil, evil idea. The the positive idea sees the universe as being again um, creative, loving, reasonable, reasonable as human beings made in the image of God are are also participating in the divine reason. But we are not God per se. So it's a difference in in emphasis. We see that like so the 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 type of Christianity that the oligarchy despises. Or even the, the type of, of Judaism or Islam that the oligarchy despises recognizes that we are made in the image of a living, loving, reasonable God. So we all have a divine spark and thus an immortal soul and all of that. Right. Except the difference is that we are not God. Right. We are not God. Though we right. So it's a diff it makes all the difference though at the end of the day. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs>
Yeah, so um, if you go listen to Noah Harari, you'll understand that real quick, what they think about about that. Yeah. Um, and then that's the other thing, you know, you brought up before about closed systems, open systems and and potential of of individuals. You know, they don't want ingenuity. They don't want creativity. They don't want people to, you know, think outside of, of what they've limited everyone to be able to think. Not, not They don't want, honestly, it goes all the way to they don't want, to, if you look at some of the things coming out of them, they don't want small businesses. They don't want anything they don't control. They don't want humans they don't control. It's a very... Yeah. Um, you know, what what they're proposing that Matt is laying out here, the two systems, is is not a system that most humans, if they understood what what, what they're really saying, would ever stand for. Mm -hmm. But go mm -hmm. ahead, because mm -hmm. I know you're heading to, to one of the most important things for people to understand as well as we go through this journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we went through this pretty well. So, okay, now the issue of the battlefield. So, sixth domain warfare. Remember, remember that that Nazi riddled uh, organization called NATO that they created with the five that interfaced with the five eyes. <laughs> yep. So, uh, NATO again, um, disgusting, disgusting organization that should have stopped existing I in 1991, agree. but it, it continued to grow and grow and grow. Now it's like I said, it's almost doubled its membership, and it wants to expand in the Pacific in what's called the Quad. Um, so they put out a, a cognitive warfare study report in, in uh, November 2020. Um, and this, in this report, you see very clearly that the domain of the warfare is the mind of the people. And they're not, they, they try to cusp it as though they're talking about the enemies of the rules-based international order, whatever the hell that means. Um, as if the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranian people, that's actually the battle. But no, they actually, when you when you look at it, they very clearly mean the minds of all people, uh, people living in China, in Russia, in Iran, in America, in Europe. Yep. It's the people as a whole. And they very clearly state, while actions taken in the five domains are executed in order to have an effect on the human domain, cognitive warfare's objective is to make everyone a weapon. The brain will be the battlefield of the 21st century. As if it wasn't already. That's a stupid statement. But anyway, uh, no, they mean they mean the they mean literally that they will be controlling everyone's brain. If you read, I want people to know this yeah. document <laughs> is on the MelKShow.com resources page. Scroll down to opposition playbooks because that is what I believe this is. And and read this document. It will blow your mind. But continue, Matt. It's very important yeah. that people understand this. I can't stress enough. Reading this document, also, Matt, I want to ask you um, about about this document too, because what I read in this in this NATO document sounds like NATO is running all of the militaries. It doesn't sound like they're saying like coming from NATO. It sounds like they're saying all of the militaries will, will work with us, even though in there a couple times it says Pentagon's high up, and I tell people all the time NATO's uh, real brainwashing lab is in Virginia, but um, you know their iHub lab, but. In this mm. document, they're not they're not acting like they are a alliance of individual nations. They are acting no. like they are running the one world military. That's how I read yeah. this document. Go ahead. You read yeah, you totally read it correctly. And you know, it doesn't mean that they necessarily have the controls that right. they that they assert, but they're using the language of the bully, of the tyrant. And it's yeah. sort of a, it's supposed to be a bit of an intimidating language to project power through your vocal speech or written um, as they do it in, in neurolinguistic programming. Right. And, and then exactly. you you create a language that then becomes something which um will begin to increasingly shape the reality you want to manifest. Now, when you look at the reality is, well, no, you have Serbia, you have Hungary, you have a variety of fights that we see clearly in sovereign nation states that are not going along with the NATO agenda. 
Right. Um, but despite that, they want to use the language of like the game is over, just just keel over. Like it's just exactly. a matter of time before you will be assimilated. So just you know, it's it's the Borg, right? So <laughs> it's the liberal Borg. Um now, so that's the the domain is the mind. So here's some of what people need to just hold in mind when they hear um remarks being made about how to interpret what's going on in Taiwan, these poor people who want their democracy and just they just want to be a part of the rules-based international freedom-loving order. And even if that means us going into war with China to defend the rights of the Taiwanese, well, so be it, because gosh darn it, we just love freedom so much. Now, that's there, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. And uh, well, I need people 500,000 dead people in Ukraine and Russia had the same story, you know. Yeah, that never exactly. I mean, at this point, if people are still drinking that Kool Aid or or susceptible to that, I I, I don't know what to say for you. But but for those who still are thinking, um, it's good to just take a step back and look at the context of well, what is Taiwan a part of? Because right. just like they don't care about the people living in Ukraine, um, they don't care about the people living in Taiwan or Japan. But let's this map is a good start. I got three maps. Great. Perfect. Um, this one just gets across the uh, is actually designed under the Obama days. This is an expression of in the in the Pacific, the Obama Asia pivot strategy, which today has under Obama uh, Biden, Biden uh, expanded to the Indo-Pacific strategy because they've they've begun to realize that India is not fully playing ball with the rules based order. So they have to also be targeted as well for intimidation to bring them back into what's known as the quad promise, because India has been saying things to appease right, the NATOcrats. Yeah. Right. Saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to uh, join the NATO uh, of the Pacific. Yes, we want that. But then they don't do it. Well, right. That, uh, India so, is a, a real wild card right now. Even at the recent COP yeah. conference, you're looking at it and you're thinking like, well, India is not really going on. He's, they're saying it, but they're not really doing it. So No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's India and China together have a lot of hostility, largely right. because of foreign uh, Anglo-American interests that have like sparked fires on both sides over disputed territories. But that being said, there does seem to be a lot more synergy and, and cooperation from the from the top um, by people who on both sides who understand how they're being played against each other and that their only way to survive is to work together. So that does seem to be overall what's going on. But there is a lot of fifth columnists and deep state operatives inside of India as well. And in the the there's there's a there's a whole occult underground in the elite systems of India that were amplified under British controls, especially by the Theosophists and Annie Besant right. and others who oversaw the Indian Freedom Congress and stuff back in a, a century ago. So that that that's a factor to keep in mind. But you also yeah. have real authentic patriots too, who are fighting like hell to make sure India survives. And that's why they the Obama thing became the the in the Indo-Pacific strategy. Um, but what do you have? You got uh, fires across. Uh, well, some of these fires have have boil have gone down a little bit since this map was created. But other other fires, like people know in Gaza, has increased largely. The more the most dangerous fire of them all is there right now, and that could escalate fast. Uh, yep. But you have the Eastern European Front with a ballistic missile shield been, that's been built up, pointed at Russia um, from Poland. They want to extend this all the way into uh, Finland. Uh, which will be hosting. They they have a thousand kilometer border that they share with Russia. Um, they're within I think 300, 300 kilometers of strike distance from Saint Petersburg, Finland. So that that's very dangerous. And yeah, and they whole, just announced the Biden regime that they're putting a whole bunch of military, U.S. military and uh, equipment and everything in Finland just to egg on NATO again. I mean, I don't know why the people. Uh, honestly, I've had people on from that part of the world that are like. 
the same things happening there that's happening here. Yeah. So it's not the people of Finland, but certainly our military industrial complex and NATO is now, yeah. I believe, going to use Finland as another in uh, uh, instigation to continue this going. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. And Finland has their own Nazi problem, too. Um, that's, a, yeah. that's a whole other yeah, whole other show. Yeah. But yeah, so we have... Um, we have 28,000 troops, uh, U.S. troops in uh, South Korea. It's still an occupied nation, never got liberated after the Korean War. Uh, some major biolabs that Obama set up too, like the Jupiter and Centaur labs that have been working on ethnic targeting geno uh, right. pathogens in their biolabs since right. 2010 when they were originally created. Obama oversaw this, just like Obama was brought in uh, to Georgia, right. or Georgia and Ukraine, exactly. Yep. Um, you have Japan hosting about 57,000 troops with expanded military bases in the south that's within striking distance of China. Um, you have also Taiwan, which plays a big part of the new uh, NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, that was just passed a few days ago, um, whereby massive increase of Taiwanese troops being trained in America and sent back uh, to Taiwan to prepare for the oncoming war with China is underway right. with an increased amount, amount of weapons deals that will be now provided to Taiwan to help amplify the separatists. Now, keep in mind, most people I know listening to this probably think, as I once thought, that Taiwan was its own separate country. Um, only 13 nations of the world actually think that, of which one is the Vatican and who cares about them. Right. Um, well, Canada, the U.S., every country. You should country, look at the Vatican and NATO the same. Yeah, pretty much at this point. Uh, um, but every, even the U.S. State Department, the Canada, the Europe, right. uh, all of South America, all of Africa recognizes that it's one, one China with sort of like you could think of Taiwan as an autonomous province, like kind of like – Puerto Rico, maybe a little yep. bit more autonomous, but kind of like that. It, but it's all part of China. Um, even the Kuomintang government that set up Taiwan back in 1947 um, acknowledged that there's only one China. It's just where do we choose to locate the capital? Um, and after the 1971, the, the capital, there was a decision made to acknowledge it in Beijing instead of in uh, Taipei. But regardless, it's still one China. So for the for the U.S. military-industrial complex to start training troops, bypassing the the nation of China, and just going and doing uh, military deals. There are, by the way, U.S. troops stationed on the ground in Taiwan as well that they do want to increase. Taiwan is within something like 180 miles of shooting distance from uh, mainland China. Um, it's not about liberating the people so that they have democracy. That's not why the U.S. military wants to get in on Taiwan. Right. It's because they want another base of their already – there's 138,000 U.S. troops stationed in the Pacific. They want another one close as part of a preparation for the coming uh, warfare, the coming attack with China. So when, when Xi Jinping just said, look, we are going to be reunifying, and it'll probably happen before the next Taiwanese elections, just so you know, and uh, it will be war if you get in there to promote separatism. He's not messing around. It's they they know that this is as existential as Putin understood getting Nazis into Kiev as the new the new dominant government and then right. into NATO is an existential threat that is unacceptable for Russia completely. Right. Same idea. And also, Matt, I want to say because you're saying mm -hmm. how many troops we have there and how many that they're training Taiwanese troops here and and we are. Uh, I think Taiwan is the size of Maryland. Correct? Isn't it a very yeah. small piece of it's land? So, it's pretty tiny. Yeah. Like again, it's the Formosa like, Islands, yeah. 
all like what we're talking because they're going to be promoting this as we're going in there to protect Taiwan's democracy, to protect the people of Taiwan. Uh, they don't even have as many people to lose as Ukraine. So what we're gonna we're gonna wipe out the all the people living in Taiwan for the for the cause of human rights and democracy. I mean, they're gonna be pitching that. They already are in America that we have to go protect Taiwan. Look at Nancy Pelosi went there. They've been it's weird because you, all the globalists that live in America, the billionaire globalist oligarchy, just uh, bowed to G in, in San Francisco. But you know, the, the storyline they're going to give the American people to get the American people behind Taiwan is going to be very similar to Ukraine. But I would like the American people that really backed the Ukraine thing, which could have been, uh, you know, easily uh, not precipitated and certainly early on could have been ended, is Taiwan doesn't have the 500,000 people that have died in Ukraine. You know, I, all I'm saying is what they're talking about, again, is is massive amounts of death of, of innocent people for what, uh, you know, yeah. for democracy and, 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 you know, and autonomy. I mean, I just, I just want to stress to people, Matt just told you what it is. I'm telling you the size of Taiwan. So just remember, there are people that live in Taiwan that do not want to die over this. And, and, Absolutely. and, and they're going to act like they're going to liberate Taiwan. Well, please consider how many people will die if uh, the U.S. and NATO, uh, you know, go in there. And it's, again, not NATO. Like Ukraine's not NATO, so you know you have to think who benefits. Keep going, but I, I wanted people to yeah. know the size of Taiwan and that Taiwan is not the it's, size it, of Ukraine. It's small, but yeah, but there's still you know there's 26 million people in Taiwan. Right. There's about 40, 43 million in uh, Ukraine. Probably, I mean that that number is going down fast. Eh? But um, the, the, still, the, a lot uh, of people will be lost. A lot of people will be killed, yeah, and it has nothing to do with democracy or freedom like we've been told. This is everything to do with geopolitical power projection entirely. Um, and uh, yeah, last uh, just example, just to drive this home, China has literally two, two military bases outside of their borders in Ethiopia. And those military bases were created in Ethiopia on on request of the Ethiopian government because Ethiopia is targeted for regime change and they're building a lot of infrastructure right. like the like electrified rail grids that are being attacked and also the big the biggest uh, hydroelectric dam in all of Africa is, is currently being finished right. with the help of Chinese um investment in engineers and these are the infrastructure points that are being attacked by western uh terrorists they're not attacking the things you would expect. They're attacking infrastructure points. And um, there's been thousands of murdered Chinese engineers across Africa who are specifically targeted by Boko Haram. That's the uh, the ISIS group in Mali. It's one of the most dangerous jobs to be a Chinese engineer working in Africa. It's the most dangerous job you've got. Your your life insurance premiums have got to be crazy. Um, but but they're the ones who are being uh, targeted by and de the, the, these 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 terrorist outfits are receiving orders from Western um, handlers telling them what to do and what to attack. So that's why China is in Ethiopia is to defend the infrastructure and their engineers. Um, they're, they're, but there's two. The U.S. is something like 896 yeah. international military bases, and many of them are, are black bases, black ops bases as well, which are very opaque. There's like something like 300 plus bio warfare labs, many right. of which are very hostile. Not no oversight on any of them. And like I mentioned, just like a network in South Korea, the Jupiter Centaurs, but they're also all over 
Africa, all over Asia, all over India, all over Nepal, all over South America. They're everywhere. And nobody has any, nobody's allowed to look in them. And most of them were created by Hiro Ishii and Jap Japan's Unit 731 of, of World War II that carried out massive um, Mengele-style human experiments on living American POW, yep. Russian, and, and Chinese civilians. Um, that's what was given new jobs by Alan Dulles and John Foster Dulles after World War II and brought to Maryland in Fort Detrick and built up the U.S. Yep. you know, biowarfare capability. Um, um, so, yeah, I just... And these are just some of the countries that have military deals with the U.S. Currently, the Philippines, which also went through their own Soros, Mark saw, Malik yeah. Brown right. uh, regime change back Everyone in 1980. Everyone watched Myanmar. They're yep. still dealing with that there. Yeah, this is important. Mm -hmm. And again, Matt, yeah. I, I want to say, like, you know, people see the, the rhetoric for, about Taiwan. Because just, just talk about that timeline again. So G recently said mm -hmm. that he's going to deal with one China-Taiwan issue which most countries in the world, including the U.S. folks, uh, agree is is the case over there. He's going to deal with this to extinguish any any ideas of war before his next election or, or Taiwan's next election. Like the timeline here matters. Timeline matters so much. Yeah. No, it's really it's it's super important. It's, it's before the next Taiwanese election. Um, so and and again, it's so important because Taiwan, their their primary trading partner is mainland China. Like well over 50% of their exports and imports are, are tied to, to China. They need mainland China more than they need the West. But those who wield the, the crazy power over Taiwan is coming from those who put the current regime in power with the Sunflower Movement, which was a, a Soros NED funded color revolution back in 2014 that overthrew the Kuomintang Party. That was the democratically elected party the same year that they did the same thing to Yanukovych in right, uh, in exactly. Ukraine in February 2014. Right. Yanukovych was the democratically elected government that decided that it was death to continue with the promises to integrate Ukraine with the European Union and NATO. And right. instead said, let's instead have an economic deal. Let's have good relations with both sides. And you're not allowed to say that. Nope. And he said, let's have an economic deal with the Eurasian Economic, the Eurasian economic Union, which is run, which is led by Russia which wants us to have an industrial renaissance that wants finished products, not just not just um, raw materials, oil, and cash crops uh, agriculture, but wants us to also have manufacturing. Um, that is what was the big sin of Yanukovych that induced them to, um, Newland and, and others, to activate right. the color revolution of Nazis with some right. Georgian mercenaries too. Yeah, we're that still dealing with it. I mean, that, that's exactly what we're dealing with. But Matt, I want to I want to stress to people because yep. you're about to be hit with a with an onslaught of cognitive warfare manipulation in a, in our country, especially by this disgusting intel media that we have to go into Taiwan. Okay, I mean, I see it yeah. coming. They're 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 budgeting for it. We, the people of the United States, will be paying for this uh, one way or another, and our, our gun, you know, our manufacturers of all of our weapons, and and it's like again, who benefits? Whoever yeah. cleans up Taiwan after, and I, I assure you, and I, I believe this in my heart, it will not be us. We will not. I don't believe that we, with China, Russia, Iran, all these countries, and the U.S. thinks that they can go in there with NATO and and their partners and and decide what happens in that region of the world is to me sounds like insane. 
I, I hope the American same, yeah. people don't jump into we have to protect democracy all the way over on another side of the world. And again, isn't there a whole thing with with like in like in Ukraine with corruption and chips? I know about the bio labs. There's a whole infrastructure in there that is is Soros and other people corrupt, just like Ukraine, right? Oh, we're in in China or no or... in Taiwan. Oh, in Taiwan, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it, it's it's like I said, the the current regime was largely made possible through the Western funded color revolution that installed them, and that overthrew the Kuomintang party, because the Kuomintang party had a whole program to want an economic deal, um, to cooperate more with mainland China, right. as it should, because it's right beside and they're part of the same country. So why not also have a good relationship economically with them? That was that was verboten. And so they were ousted in this foreign coup. And the current regime that's been there for a number of years is super um, – they just want to integrate with the U.S. military-industrial complex. That's all they want is they've got this weird they're, – they're, they've got a weird um, idea of what the rules-based Western order is. Like everybody is just, you know – uh, eating Pizza Hut and living it's the good life. National for and... democracy, PR campaign. But again, if, yeah. if that happened, God forbid, and and in some miracle, Taiwan stood after in any realm of where it is, they would be un this small piece of land would be surrounded by enemies forever. If no, yeah, they, well, they would they would now. be they would be annihilated. I mean, the, Taiwan would cease to exist. If this got into a hot war, this they would be ridiculous. the first to be sacked. Like, yeah, they would it would it would no, it it's wouldn't work. It's like and I I hear the rhetoric in America and they're about to listen. I just pray that all the Americans that saw through Ukraine and are seeing through what's going on in the Middle East right now understand that this is a, not a win for the people of Taiwan. A win is no. negotiating the best outcome for the people of that nation. And and this whole, yeah. Matt, what is so disturbing watching in the last, certainly three years, if not all the way back to, to your big show and when we went through the PNAC document, is I don't want to be responsible for innocent people not being able to live their lives fully as, as God intended. And every one of these events, all we do is end that for big these nations. It's just I just don't think Taiwan survives this. So to pretend that that the U.S. and NATO is going to go save them from China, save what? You know, I just want people to when the rhetoric starts. I just want people to be empowered to do their own own looking into this. Um, mm -hmm. You know. So anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just think it's it's coming down the pike. This is a big part of the uh, demoralization. Uh, campaign coming out of uh, the O'Biden regime upcoming, and I see it from the media already. Yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. Yeah. Um. All right. We already went through that expansion of NATO. That's serious. Okay. So uh, just to keep in mind as well, um, what are the dynamics? Right. Like, what are the dynamics shaping the multipolar uh, process that mm -hmm. is currently, um, you know, um, under? <laughs> I mean, this this is behind a lot of the decision making from the oligarchy is the fact that you have what I'm showing right here. It's a yep. Belt and Road Initiative. It's the revival of this 2,000-year-old idea, which had back in 200 BC is when this was first unveiled by the Han Dynasty. Um, this was called the Silk Road, and the Silk Road was basically the idea that instead of going to war with our neighbors and divide to conquer, let's go to commerce with our neighbors and learn from them, share poetry, share manuscripts, share our history, share our language cultures, share products that we create. And this went all the way through the 
what became eventually the Muslim world, even before the the, the Islam was created. You had this whole trade corridor into the Roman uh, Roman Republic, down into Africa. Africa was, I mean, a lot of very rich, interesting kingdoms back then too that were all doing business and cooperation with, uh, you know, uh, merchants from China and beyond. This this was it died when um, when the world went to a bit of a, a hellish dark age when yep. you know you had Rome collapsing you had China went into a dark age the the Han Dynasty collapsed for four hundred years it was a dark age in China the world kind of went crazy for a few hundred years and then when the Tang Dynasty was created in six eighteen soon it revived the Silk Road and with that revival you had a Renaissance period for a couple hundred years between the Christian world of Charlemagne and the Carolingians. As well as the Abbasid dynasty of Harun al Rashid and his children, um, that saw a blossoming, a, a big spike in population growth, intelligence, right. uh, training of orphans, uh, people who were just supposed to be feudal serfs were all of a sudden encouraged to gain literacy. Beautiful new architecture was created. Peace corridors, peace deals were made between Jews, Muslims, Christians, uh, Chinese, Confucians, Buddhists. So you had this process where we were acting upon our higher human attributes instead of our lower animalistic uh, tribal instincts. Yeah. So that was then, it, it disappeared after the, the Tang Dynasty collapsed. The world went into crusades. So the Venetians, a lot of these higher level oligarchs, many of those families are still active today. Right. We broke this up by- you want to look at it. Yeah, but listen, yeah, exactly. Matt, I, do, I also want to point out on this map right here, it's because it's important where, where Israel is right here. So yeah. uh, you have right. to understand that there's a there's a stop right here in Iran, and then there's the, the land is above there, and the water is down here. Uh, I don't want people to not understand that part of the world because I think most people uh, that are out there talking about what's going on everywhere do not understand the geography here because you've talked about it many times. The geography matters a lot, and a lot of people never think about the geography. So I just want people yep. on this map to understand it's all connected. That's exactly it. And there, there is, though it's not on this map, there is a southern uh, Belt and Road corridor from southern Iran uh, connecting from the Shalamsha to Basra Railway into Iraq right. that is currently being finalized that would then connect to an existent 1,500-mile uh, uh, railway that would then go in easily into Turkey, but also into uh, Israel, Palestine, right. and down into Egypt. So that and is something which- And could connect which... both the water and both the maritime and the, uh, you know, land routes as well. That, yeah, that piece it's a, of it's... land right where Turkey, Iran, and Suez Canal is, is very important. So like with everything that oh, yeah. we, we did a show on it, but with everything people are talking about in context, I, I yeah. hope you're looking at the screen and realize, because I, I believe that this is also, I mean, this is my belief, is that China, um, this is also their strategy, not just for, you know, everything that's going on, but uh, mm -hmm. it was their strategy also to prevent the unipolar world from controlling the future. I mean, that's just what it seems it, like. It was more it's, it's, it's sort of a, yeah, I mean, this, this is a very different idea of political economy than what right. we've been told uh, we have to abide by. Um, and yeah, it looks, exactly. I mean, it's basically based on the idea that you want to invest in large-scale, long-term projects that will create, because everywhere you see a, a rail line, yeah. you're also seeing, uh, what you have to keep in mind is that you have, you're building up new 
um, energy and industrial right. corridors, new communities. There's dozens of new cities being built up that are not 15 minute cities, but are there that are built around, uh, like when we used to build cities in the thirties and the forties right. in the United States, yeah, exactly. we were building it up around the fact that, okay, we have a new industrial hub we're going to create. Um, and so people have to live near where they're going to be working as producers. So a city right. built is brought on, is brought into being organically, um, by by the fact that it has a purpose within a whole the, versus the types of cities that they're talking about today as if the world is a giant Sims video game. It's just for controlling local little feudal baronials, right, With where people can have like communal bikes if they've had good social social credit scores. Exactly. Very different idea. Exactly, yeah. Um, so with this idea of rail, if you want to break people out of the idea of 15-minute cities where they they only have a very limited sphere of mo freedom of motion. Yep. Um, you want to build rail grids. Like we used to have rail grids. We yeah. lost that. Right. China exactly. went from having something like 170 kilometers of high-speed rail. This is rail that goes up to 560 um, miles per hour. Yeah. No, sorry, kilometers per hour, which is very fast. Um, in 2008. In 2004, there was zero. Or no, 2000, there was zero. Then 2008, there was like maybe 180, maybe uh, in China. Now there's, this is 2018. There was 20,000 kilometers of high-speed rail. Now it's been doubled to 40,000 kilometers. And there's five different magnetic levitation grids, which makes going from, let's say, Montreal to, to New York, which currently takes by car about six hours, by train, like via rail, something like nine hours, if I wanted to do that. Right. Um, in, if that same distance in the case of China would take about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So crazy difference in the idea of space time. And that's going to double. Oh again. God, we should be doing that. This is what makes me so mad yeah. we, for this hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, you should be able to get anywhere in America at any time on a railway uh, as fast as possible. Like we didn't, it's yeah. just it's amazing but anyway yeah, I just still... like yeah just let the sick in right i'd be like this right. is these are it's high so speed crazy. it's not electrified rail right right it's go ahead i mean and then, and and then it... you can rejuvenate we you know you rob and i've been through we've driven through 28 states you can rejuvenate places all over this country they don't want that and and they no. don't want america did they want smart cities and you know and and all of that but it's amazing do you see how many when you see yeah. the potential and that it's being held yeah. back by design, it's it's really disappointing. Yeah, exactly. They they want in the West uh, Tesla cars that can be turned off remotely from right. a centralized command structure and uh, little little public bikes for everyone who can't afford one of those things. Um, that you that can also that you that you won't be able to to rent if you're if you haven't eaten enough bugs. That's right. that's that's what we got going on. True. <laughs> with with our you certainly won't be able to have a West. farm or or you know land yeah. or you know the new thing now that we we talked about me and you have talked about it for now three years the natural asset class is about to kick in and they'll own all yeah. of our you know our natural resources and our parks yeah, and our, yeah. this is all crazy but but i hope people understand mm -hmm. that what we could be doing with our money would be the exact opposite of what's being done with mm -hmm. our money in our nation so mm -hmm. and china's doing it Absolutely. all over the world and and we're not yeah. even countering it either i i've been saying lately like um, when you brought to my attention, uh, some of the things in the past, I always said, you know what, if, if the American people leadership, the military leadership that cared about taking over the world in the PNAC days actually looked at what was going on and countered the Belt and Road Initiative by going into all these nations and saying, hey, we're going to build this and that and the infrastructure and, and, but we're going to export, you know, what you said was really George Washington. I mean, um, Ben Franklin's whole, whole plan you know, what a different world we'd be in right now if we were competing with them 
in this way than mm -hmm. what, what we yeah, did. Absolutely. No, that, that's that's a healthy competition. That's that's the type of competition right. that makes capitalism viable. Um, and and so, a yeah, multipolar just a, world actually work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's all about, yeah, what are you creating or not? Um, are you creating abundance or scarcity? What do you value, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. And and just a one step back, too, because, the again, to bring in the Silk Road and the Arctic, there's also the Arctic Silk Road, the Polar, the polar Silk Road, as it was dubbed. That's a quick image of it, yep. um, which is going to cut off 10 to 10 to 15 days of transit time of goods going from Asia all the way to Europe through the Russian Arctic, which is another reason why there is a big fight over the Arctic and why the Arctic Council just kicked out effectively has really isolated and I think even kicked out Russia from participating in Arctic policy while the other side wants to militarize the Arctic with a missile shield in that'll be amplified. It already is there, but they want to amplify it in Alaska, in Canada's Arctic, in Norway, where there's a new U.S. military base built up there within Finland. So they're trying to get um, the militarization of the Arctic, or inversely, what they really want is a deep, like a, a a program of no development for the Arctic. But to get that, you have to destroy anybody who wants to develop right. first, which is why Hitler ultimately wanted com green communalism and degrowth. But he saw the need for industrial development only as a necessary evil towards the end, which was he saw good which was we need industry to build up our military in order to destroy um, or at least to to take control of the, the part of the world that we want to manage for the new world order. And when we have control with our British counterparts, we'll control another part of the world with our, our Japanese and Italian fascist counterparts in our multipolar world of fascism. Then we'll have a green degrowth of local communalism and, and communalism's uh, all over the world, which was what Hitler actually wanted. Right. People don't think, well, what did he want if he succeeded? Well, that's what he wanted. He was a green. It was yeah. the, it was a giant green agenda. Um, I so tell again, people all back, the time, go look at what Hitler, the Third Reich, stood for, what their plan was. It is out there if you look for it and you yeah. find it and you're going to be, be like, aha, now I understand yeah. why she calls them the Fourth Reich. Yeah, exactly. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. So to zoom in now a little bit towards what is it with, you know, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Iran, uh, Ethiopia, Egypt are all going to be joining the BRICS in January right. uh, of in a few weeks, really. Yeah. Um, why? What, what's 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 going on there? Why are why is that scaring so, so many geopolitical Kissingerites in the West? It's well, look at what they've been agreeing upon. They've been talking about building inter interdynamic uh interconnected high-speed rail grids with industrial corridors connecting the uae with its own industrial re renaissance nuclear power also being developed in saudi arabia and uae cairo as well has developed with russia and chinese help uh, a nuclear complex that they're going to be building in the sana facilities i think some french engineers are helping there too and this is the belt and road initiative transforming and reconstructing the middle east around the idea of a real uh um pro future orientation i mean and it's not it's not because anybody here is an angel i'm not saying that but it's good business to not kill your customers and to create a condition where your customers are more productive it's like that's yep. just common we used to think that way when jfk was alive and we forgot how that works yep. so it's still happening now just to round it out a little bit um trump would often say one thing and do another he would speak belligerently about a variety of things, but then he would do things that were radically competent. And I think that that's an important thing for people to realize how the game is played. Um, because there was, I mean, 
you know, <laughs> he had a whole view with China and Xi Jinping, who he saw as and called his his friend. They had a very common uh, way of looking at things in general, as did Putin as well. So there was a, a special U.S.-Russia-China alliance bu being built up under uh, while Trump was in there, which is when um, the under Trump, the the Chinese Belt and Road increased from something like 54 countries who, who were members of the Belt and Road Initiative to 130. Now, one day, there was no foreign announcement made. All of a sudden, the vice premier of China shows up in the Oval Office on invitation by Trump, who bypassed the State Department in order to bring him in and have a press conference where he Trump said at with the vice president or uh, vice premier of China right beside him that between China, Russia, or between Russia, China and us, we're all making hundreds of billions of dollars worth of weapons, including nuclear, which is ridiculous. I think it's much better if we all got together and didn't make these weapons. Those three countries, I think, can come together and stop spending and spend on things that are more productive towards long-term peace. Yep, and therein lies the problem for the globalists that want to destroy Trump and make sure he never has power again. Exactly. And, you know, when Trump went and visited uh, Xi Jinping, he called Xi Jinping my friend. He basically said, uh, look, it's hard. To, and this is actually, I, I got the date wrong here. This is actually, anyway, it doesn't matter. But it's around the same time. He said, it's hard to imagine a complete break of the United States from China or of China uh, from the United States. We are not interested in this. And our American partners are not interested in this. President Trump is my friend. And I am convinced he is also not interested in this. And uh, this is no, this is the date I screwed up. It's actually supposed to be January. Um, okay. But uh, Trump said at Davos, describing Xi Jinping and his relationship, and this is what you know, a picture of of, of Trump, Melania, and, and she and his wife at the Forbidden City. Right. And they were the first delegates who were provided in as foreign delegates, a foreign as far as a foreign president into the Forbidden City, where they were given a day tour, uh, all full red carpets laid out. And Trump said, you know, look, he's for China. I'm for the U.S. But other than that, we love each other. Our relationship with China has probably never been better. We went through a very rough patch, but it has never, ever been better. So um, COVID obviously blew up a lot of this, uh, this positive dynamic and positive building of relations between a U.S.-Russia-China relationship. Um, George Soros starting in 2019, but he really started going heavy. He had formerly been speaking positively of China as the right. basis of the new world order back in 2011 exactly. and to the, before the Belt and Road Initiative was unveiled by Xi Jinping in 2013. Right. Uh, Soros was still trying to, to cater to the ego and pride of China to try to coerce them to come back into the new world order depopulation fold as had been agreed upon by, you know, in the 1970s under Kissinger. And it was only when China, at a certain point, there was a certain set of purges of a big chunk of the Davos deep state operatives that it became recognized that maybe they're not willing to play game the game the way that they promised they would. And all of a sudden, Soros shifted gears and started calling for the uh, the overthrow of the CCP and Xi Jinping. And, you know, this is some remarks by Soros saying uh, Trump and Xi Jinping um, are the greatest threats to my open society. And uh, Soros said, regrettably, President Trump seems to be following a different course, make concessions to China and declare victory while renewing his attack on U.S. allies. By that, he means NATO. Yep. This is liable to undermine U.S. policy objectives of curbing China's abuses and excesses. And then he's called literally for the overthrow of uh, China, sounding a lot like certain right wing uh, voices as well, which is interesting that all of a sudden open society Soros is sounding a lot like certain 
uh, freedom movement uh, voices that we often hear about. So yeah. what the hell is that about? And what does Soros represent? Because Soros got his ass kicked out of China in 1989. Exactly. And uh, we're going to have to kind of stop here. So, But this is okay. a really good place to stop. And we'll continue this uh, discussion because it's really important that people understand what is going on here. The fact that this man is involved also in what happened in Ukraine, what's happening in Israel, what's about to happen yep. in Taiwan should make people very angry. And I want to understand this better. And I think this is a good place to stop. And uh, we'll continue in the next show. Um, well, we have two shows upcoming, uh, but we, we're going to continue this discussion. So uh, I think it's really it's a good place to stop and realize uh, exactly what what Trump was doing with China that upset the uh, globalists so, so much was trying mm -hmm. to find a way to live peacefully on planet Earth, cooperating, yeah. whether we like the way that they run their country or not that he wanted to protect our country and allow him to do what he does with his country and have peace and prosperity for both. And I still believe that's possible as you believe it's possible. But if people don't understand mm. who is manipulating this and why, uh, it's very hard for people to sit, put it all together into one thing. I keep saying they're not after America, they're after the world and America is in the way uh, is how I feel about mm -hmm. this. And um, so any last words on this and then we'll go, yeah. uh, we'll finish it up next time. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. I guess for anybody who wants to, and this is a good thing to hold in mind as a paradox, how did China kick out George Soros yes. in 1989? What was that all about? Because we'll we'll expand on that. And yes. if for people who want to, I guess, look into this and understand this a little bit more, um, my wife and I, Cynthia Chung and I, produced Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps, How the Cold War is Being Revived and What You Can Do About It, as an 80-page special report going oh, through nice. a lot of these tropes that are being circulated. And we just produced uh, Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps Part 2, um, okay. Know Your Enemy, going yep. a little bit more into uh, what took over after World War II in our own society. Oops, I just lost Oops. my visuals. Good timing, though. So with that, um, I think yeah. they can go to CanadianPatriot.org uh, right. to pick those up. And, right. and otherwise, yeah, thank you, Mel, for the the time to elaborate on some of these more complex geopolitical ideas. Thank you, but we'll go again. And and the truth of the matter is that um, China is, is not going away. So I don't understand why anyone would think that we should be going to war with Russia or China. We should actually be looking for a way to have peace on earth for real, not this phony globalism, unipolar, not, we can't, it's not sustaining itself going forward. And what we should all root for is humanity. And, uh, and peace on earth and cooperation. And, you know, any ideas about taking out you, uh, China or Russia uh, and with the U.S. being destroyed, in, in my opinion. So I just yes. think all the people should be looking for what are the solutions? Why aren't people negotiating? Why aren't we finding peace talks? Why, why isn't that happening? And who is stopping that? And um, next time, uh, Matt and I will elaborate and continue. But uh, stopping on George Soros's relationship with China and why once China and once G and Trump met, it was the end. He was going to try to end both of them. Yeah. And that is very important to remember. Thank you so much, Matt Arrett. All your links are below. I will see you next week and I look forward to it. Uh, always amazing. Thank you, sir. Bye. Thank you. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life. And I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and I'm doing the show and I'm showing up at small events and big events. And I'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is 
superfoods, Mel K superfoods. When I got involved with superfoods in the beginning, I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was not, uh, it was mid COVID. So I wasn't really doing much and I was doing a lot of things wrong. And then I found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal. I really wanted to detox. I wanted to help my immune system. I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick while a lot of other people were and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating. I don't have cravings. I don't eat late night. There is a whole protocol. It's so easy. It's laid out for you. You take it out of the box. It's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol. It gives you a schedule. You know what to do. You know what you're eating. You feel great. You look great. Your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to themelkshow.com, go down to Superfoods, and you can start your journey. Because today is the day. I will tell you, I waited and I waited. And then I started Superfoods. And within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. MelKShow.com, go to partners page down to Superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. So when you get Superfoods, that helps me and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. MelK Superfoods, get over there now. There's no time like the present. Hi guys, you know for months and months, me and Mike Al have been talking about the water supply, what is in there, there are pharmaceuticals in the water supply, there are all these chemicals, lots of pollution, we've had all these natural disasters that leave our water not nearly as clean and certainly not as God intended. We know how important water is for our health. So we have been on a mission to try to find the best alternative to the water that is out there, including bottled water, which of course we did a whole show on everything that's in bottled water, which is almost as shocking as what's in our natural water now so we found the best partner we could in healthy hydrogen uh, this is a portable bottle that I use all the time but also there are many options over there you can get a house a full house system you can get a tabletop system you can get uh, for your shower for your office and business they have so many great options if you go to the we have partnered with them so it's on our partners page healthy hydrogen I am telling you right now, the difference in this water and what it will do to your health in general is incredible. Uh, if you have inflammation, your immune system has problems, anything that you are thinking you don't know the solution for, this could be the game changer. We've been looking for the missing piece and I believe the missing piece is the water. We are so excited. They have so much science backing all of their products. They have been tested by all different groups out there that do this for a living and look at water really in depth. We have the hydrogen aspect, which is true Really fascinating. Nothing is more important than water. We all know that. So make sure you're putting the best water in your body. And I assure you, this is a true, true game changer that you will see right away and will improve your health and your family's health going forward. Go check out the Mel K Show Partners page, Healthy Hydrogen, and get your health back from the inside out, starting with God's great water. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show.